Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Did you know that there are only 26 sleeps left? That's how we gauge things in our home. 26 sleeps left until Christmas. Man, we are so excited. Next week, we kick off our Christmas series entitled A Christmas Playlist. We're going to be looking at the four songs of Christmas found in Scripture. So we are so excited about that. But today, I want us to kind of transition from a message last week entitled There Was Jesus to a message entitled today, Someone Needs Jesus. Church, hear me. Someone needs Jesus. You know, the truth is, as a church, as his trust, as his church, we, we're struggling a little bit getting out the good news to a world that is filled with bad news. And you know we live in a world that is filled with, with just too much bad news, don't you? As a church, we're struggling to get the good news out. The, the gospel, the good news of Jesus isn't quite reaching our family members our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our community, our friends. And I know what the thought is, Pastor, but you, you may not know this, but we're in COVID-19 season. Things are just a little bit harder, right? With social distancing and all of those things, it just makes it a little bit harder uh, to share the gospel and the good news. Well, well, I've got news for you, church. Most of the church wasn't sharing the gospel before COVID-19. And we weren't, we, we weren't actively telling people about Jesus before this pandemic took place. Now, I was tempted, and I had it ready. I was going to share with you stat after stat to show how, how much the church is, is struggling sharing the gospel. But you know what I decided? You don't need stats. You know we are. You look at our, our community around us, our country, our world. And you know what? Here's what we're convinced of. You ready? That this community, this country, that this world is less and less Christian and more and more secular. The truth is, is that the church is more and more silent as people are more and more lost and less and less saved. And here's what I'm convinced of, church. If there has ever been a time in our lifetimes that people need the good news of the gospel, they need Jesus, then it is now. Hey, church, somebody needs Jesus. And the question this morning for all of us is, are you and I willing to bring someone to Jesus? Are we willing to bring that someone to Jesus. I, I saw this the other day online. I thought it was really good. A help wanted ad. Fishers of men. You catch them and Jesus will clean them, right? That is, and that's a perfect example of exactly the type of help we need nowadays because in Matthew 4.19, we're reminded that Jesus said this, that his mission is to make us fishers of men and women and boys and girls. So if you will take your Bibles this morning, let's go to the Gospel of Mark. And as you turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 is a pretty busy chapter for Jesus. In fact, it's a, it's a pretty incredible chapter for Jesus. 
we find in here that Jesus is busy calling out disciples. We find it's in this chapter that Jesus is preaching the good news. He's driving out demons. He's healing people of their sicknesses, their diseases. Chapter 1's pretty incredible. But I'll tell you this about chapter 2. It doesn't quite disappoint either, okay? In chapter 2, we find some incredible things taking place right here at the front. So take your Bibles, Mark chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And here's what the Bible says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. That he was home. Now, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, we know exactly what home this is. This is Andrew, and this is Peter's home. But Jesus has come home. Look at verse 2. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now, I don't want to offend in anyone, I know you hear about large crowds of people gathering together and you're wondering, were they socially distanced? No, they weren't. Uh, we don't condone such behavior. Dr. Fauci would be mad at me if we did. But just know, this is the setting. A lot of people in a small space. And here's the cool part. Look at verse 3. You ready? Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Since they could not get to him, They couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening, listen, in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Man, what an incredible picture of these friends and their love for their buddy. What an incredible picture here we find of a man who has been paralyzed by either disease or by injury. We we don't know how, but the bottom line is he cannot walk. He cannot provide for himself. He cannot take care of himself. Being paralyzed in the ancient world was exceptionally tragic. Medicine could not help him. Machinery wasn't available to him. His life was destined to be lived out on that mat. You ready? Hopeless, helpless, and hurting. The only thing he had going for him you ready? Was four friends who loved him and cared for him. Yeah, I got to reading this story and I just kept asking myself over and over, am I a friend like they were? Am I a friend like they were? I don't know if you know Jason Seaton or not. Uh, he's a member here at Connect Church. Him and his precious family uh, come. And I love Jason. He is a, he's a hero of mine. A number of years ago, Jason experienced a terrible accident that left him paralyzed. And one of the things I love about his story is that if you know him at all, there is nothing Jason can't do. Take a look at some of these pictures. Watch this. You ready? This is him at a wedding. And I don't know if you have time today, but you ought to go to his Facebook page. And watch him as he created a mechanism on his wheelchair and he danced with his daughter at her wedding. Unbelievably powerful. Uh, he has, he's a great husband. He's a great dad. He faithfully preaches the gospel. Every time the juvenile centers open downtown, he's in there sharing his story and sharing the story of Jesus. He travels to churches and he preaches. And here's one of my favorite things. He goes hunting. And he goes out there and he kills turkeys and he kills deer. There is nothing 
this guy could do. I shot my first deer with Billy uh, this past weekend. And, man, I got to talk with Jason yesterday. And we got to just tell about how fun it was, the hunt and all of those good things. Now, look at Jason, and I think of him. I think there's absolutely nothing this guy can't do. He loves life, and he lives life to the fullest. But you know what, church? That's not so. With this man here in Mark chapter 2, that's not his story. He's unable to love life. He's unable to live life to the fullest. But there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I love it because there was Jesus and now everything is going to change. And I want you to notice in the text this, the Bible says this, that he saw their faith. He saw their faith. Now who was on the scene? Well, we know that there were the four friends, but there was also the paralytic man. And Jesus looking at those five, he saw their faith. And here's what I'm convinced. You ready? I believe that Jesus, the great seer of faith, saw the faith of the paralyzed man, and it moved Jesus to meet his greatest need. Now you see, his greatest need wasn't to stand again, but to be saved from his sin. You see, you heal a man of paralysis, and yes, he may walk on earth for a few more years, But you heal a man of his sin, and he will dance in heaven forever and ever. And that's exactly what Jesus does here in the text. And hey, by the way, Jesus also healed his paralysis. In verse 11, we know that Jesus healed him, told him to pick up his mat, and to go home and guess what that man did? He did just that. But Jesus was not only moved by the faith of the paralytic man, But Jesus was also moved by the faith of this man's friends. You know what? I think of those boys and I think this. They loved him enough that they brought him to Jesus. They loved him enough to bring him to Jesus. They they weren't willing to let one more minute go without him going to Jesus. They weren't given to inaction. They weren't deterred by what others might think of them. They weren't given to fear in that moment. They were convinced that their friend needed Jesus more than he needed anything or anyone else. And again, the question comes in my mind. Are you and I that type of friend to love somebody enough to bring them to Jesus? Are we that type of friend? You see, in the first century, homes were very small. And they were tightly grouped together. In fact, uh, maybe an average home would consist of four small rooms and a, and a courtyard. Just a very small space. There would be a staircase that would lead to a roof that was made of, of mud tiles and branches. When I was in Jerusalem last year, I came into the, the area of Capernaum, into this small town, this small city. And what's amazing is, is what you see underneath that structure is the traditional home of Peter and Andrew where Mark chapter 2 takes place. And that structure you see above their home, that's a church. And it's really cool. The entire floor is glass in that church. 
And what you do when you walk into the church, you can look down in to Peter and Andrew's home and really have the vantage point of those four friends who are lowering down their paralytic friend to Jesus. One of my favorite spots that we visited was Peter and Andrew's home, this home here in Mark chapter 2. You see, it would be right here that these friends were unable to work through the crowds of people. As you can tell from the ruins, the streets were small. And so they chose to head towards the stairwell at the back of the home. They dug into Peter's roof, and I'll be honest with you, I can imagine Peter, who was at times given to his emotions, going, seriously, my roof, I have to call the insurance guy, is this going to be even covered? I can imagine the frustration there, but no matter that, they dug through the mud tiles on the roof, created a clearing, so that not only could they see Jesus, but that their friend could see Jesus. And you know what's amazing, church? They did whatever it took to bring him to Jesus. You know, I stop and I think, church, it's time. It's time that we are like the friends here in Mark chapter 2. Why? Because here's the truth. You ready? Somebody needs Jesus today. It's time that we start climbing over whatever obstacles are in front of us, break through whatever roof we have to in order to bring people to Jesus. Now, we just got off of a long Philippian study, and I love our study of the book of... Because I'm happy. I'm alone in you. All right, all right. All right, we we retired that song. We retired that sermon bumper. I know you guys were tired of it 25 weeks in a row, but it looks like my crew back there just can't quite get over this happy song yet. That's good. That's good. Thank you so much. Good Lord. All right. I love Philippians. And here's what I purposely didn't do. On our 25th message, I didn't read you the last paragraph because I saved it for today. And I want you to read the last, with me the last paragraph of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 21. And Paul says this, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me while he is being held under house arrest in Rome. Send their greetings. We, we believe these to be the, the folks that are there in Rome helping Paul do the work of the ministry. And he says this in verse 22, all God's people here send you greetings. And so we, we know that he tend to be referencing the believers who live in Rome. But here's what catches me. He writes, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Caesar's household. Who are these people? Could it, could it be? Hey, church, you know who Paul is referencing? He's speaking of the guards that he comes in contact with every single day. What amazes me coming out of this study of Philippians is that Paul did whatever it took to bring the very guards who are tasked with keeping him unjustly in prison. He did everything he could to bring them to Jesus. He was chained to them. His life was in peril. And yet he still brought as many guards as he could to Jesus. I think of it this way. This citizen of heaven 
was bringing citizens of Rome to Jesus. I love what Rick Warren says. He says this, the way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing and getting people there. Hey, church, can I remind you? Somebody needs Jesus today. Somebody needs Jesus. Now, sure, as it was with Paul in Philippians, as it was with those four friends in Mark chapter 2, bringing people to Jesus is, is hard. But church, I want to challenge you, choose your heart. I've seen this sentiment floating around online over the past couple of weeks, this idea of choosing your heart. You ready? It's hard to share the gospel, to bring people to Jesus. And it's also hard to know that someone will spend eternity in hell without him. Hey church, choose your heart. It's hard to step outside of your comfort zone to be used of God. And it's also hard to stay in your comfort zone, never to be used of God. Hey, church, we got to choose our hard. It's hard to be rejected by someone you try to bring to Jesus. And it's also hard to go your entire life refusing to bring anyone to Jesus. Hey, believer, you got to choose your hard. You know, it was hard to carry a man through the streets of Capernaum through a busy crowd, up a staircase, to a roof. It was hard to dig through the roof that day and lower this man's body into a room. But it would have been much harder for those four friends to leave him there another day on his mat. You see, his friends picked the right hard. And it made all the difference in that man's life and his eternity. Are you ready, church? Choose your heart. Choose your heart today. You know, I'm convinced, and I agree with many Christian authors of our time, that many in the church, and I'm not saying just connect church, I'm just saying in the church in general, that many in the church today, especially in the United States, are functional atheists, are functional Atheist. And here's what I mean. Sure, they believe that God exists, but they live out their lives as if He doesn't. Sure, they believe that people will spend forever somewhere, but they are seemingly unaffected by such truth. Sure, they believe in the Bible and what it teaches about hell and what Jesus preaches about hell, but it doesn't move them enough to bring someone to Jesus. You see, there's a lot of functional atheists alive and well in the church today. And every time I engage in Scripture, I am reminded that the Holy Spirit of God wants to move us from being functional atheists to being faithful evangelists, bringing people to Jesus through the gospel, much like the friends of Mark chapter 2. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Ethan, isn't it really the church's job? To preach the gospel, to share the gospel on Sundays and on Wednesdays, sure. But I'm going to remind you of a statement that I've said many times. Nowhere in Scripture are the lost commanded to come to church, but what we find in Scripture is that the church is always commanded to go to the lost. This is the truth of God's Word. Church, it is not time for you and I to go MIA. 
missing in action. We need to do whatever it takes. Why? Because someone needs Jesus. And trust me, I know the struggle is real. I know it's hard at times to share your faith. It gets easier the more you do it, by the way, just like anything else in life. But we must choose our heart. And in my journal this week, uh, near this passage of Scripture, here's something I jotted down. This is not a poem. This is a man verse, okay? And uh, just so you know that. But here's what I jotted down in my man journal. Pictures of guns. Here we go. Must I step out, share my faith, have the conversation? Isn't it enough that I'm a believer? I love Jesus. I have a church congregation. What if I mess up, fumble my words? What if I fail? The implications are real. They are forever. It's heaven or hell. The burden, it is great. Overwhelming is the call to live and speak the gospel, crying out, come one, come all. As hard as it is to share it, to see it, the truth still remains. Someone needs Jesus. So I must stop with the excuses, the fear, the hesitation. I will trust in Jesus, my Savior. I'll live up to His expectations. It is His job to save, redeem, to rescue the lost. It is my job to love them, bring them to Him, no matter the cost. The gospel changes everything. I know it. I believe it. I cannot keep it in or be quiet because someone needs Jesus. Someone, church, needs Jesus. On Monday night, I got a phone call from a a dear friend here at Connect Church. And listen, he is... All his kids are out of the house. In fact, he's got a beautiful granddaughter. And he's just a wonderful guy. Well, he called me this past Monday night. And I could tell immediately that something was pretty heavy on his heart. And so we began the phone conversation with kind of the small talk. And then it began to move quickly. As he began to share about his, his friend, his neighbor of over 20 years, recently had been put in a, a nursing home. And then I listened to my buddy as he broke down over the phone. And he said, he he doesn't know Jesus, Anthony. He needs Jesus. And he was fighting back the tears and he said, I I just don't know that I'm the man, but but if you'll just... If you'll just come with me and, and share the gospel with me and bring him to Jesus, Anthony, would you do that with me? And, and I let him just sort of cry over the phone. I said, buddy, listen to me. Two things. Number one, you are the man. Every person who has faith in Jesus Christ is equipped to bring people to Jesus. Number one, you are the man. And number two, I'd have no greater joy than to go to that nursing home with you this week and to help you carry. And listen, the whole time I was preparing this message, and in my mind I thought I get to be one of those friends. It'd be my great joy to help you carry this man to Jesus. You see, somebody needs Jesus. And for my buddy, it was his neighbor and his friend. And so y'all pray for us this week as we stand outside the window of a local nursing home and we share the gospel and we do whatever it takes 
to bring this man to Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Now, these might be a little bit of gut punches, but I want you to, I want you to think them through. You ready? When was the last time you were moved to tears for someone who didn't know Jesus? When was the last time you were moved to action because someone needed Jesus? Hey, church, when was the last time you brought someone to Jesus? Now, hear me. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to, to guilt anybody into sharing their faith. By the way, guilt is the poorest of motivators. I'm convinced. I am simply just trying to convince us today, church, that someone needs Jesus. And Jesus didn't save us just so that we can enjoy this salvation all to ourselves. He wants to save everyone. And so my question is, who is your someone? Who is your someone today? Who is your someone that needs Jesus? But, but Anthony, what, how do I bring someone to Jesus? Well, hey, look, just for a moment at the friends of Mark chapter 2. Number one, you gotta, you got to choose your someone. And they knew who their someone was. It was their buddy who was on a mat, who needed Jesus more than anything or anyone else. And they responded. They did whatever it took to bring him to Jesus. Who's your someone? Last year we kicked off a campaign, Who's Your One? The idea that over this next year, we were going to pray for someone we knew that didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And we would do whatever it took to bring them to Jesus. And we still have the names of hundreds of people. Hundreds of ones. Many have come to faith in Jesus this past year. And many are still a heavy burden on the hearts of so many of you. Well, hey, let's revamp and let's relaunch that strategy. You ready? Who is your someone? Who is your someone? That needs Jesus. Choose your someone. That's exactly what they did. And here's the second thing. You ready? Once you choose your someone, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. And there's two ways that we do that. The first way is this. You ready? We bring them to Jesus through intercession. You say, well, Anthony, what do you mean by intercession? Let me just simplify it for you. You ready? That is bringing people to Jesus through prayer. It's praying for them. It's knocking out heaven for them. I'm going to share with you a quote from a wonderful preacher of old, Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what he says. He says this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. How do we bring people to Jesus? We intercede for them. We bring them to Jesus through prayer. Who are you interceding for, church? Hey, better yet, who do you need to be interceding for? Who is your someone? And here's the second way we bring people to Jesus. By intercession and by invitation. We have the conversation. We 
talk with them about the gospel. We share the good news of Jesus with them and we invite them to follow Jesus. We share with them of the God who who created them. In fact, who loved them so much that he sent his only son Jesus to die on a cross for their sin. We let them understand that all sin must be punished. And God's wrath is fierce against sin. But Jesus took God's wrath against their sin so that they can know the forgiveness of their sin. If they would but place their faith and their trust in Him. And just as God raised Jesus from the grave, He can take us from being dead in our sin and make us alive in Christ. We bring people to Jesus by inviting them through the gospel to follow Him. When was the last time you invited somebody to follow Jesus. You know what we do? In our functional atheism at times, we try to convince ourselves that that's somebody else's job. We, we try to convince ourselves it's just too hard. Instead of realizing that Jesus saved us and has empowered us to share the gospel. And life is all about choosing your heart. We bring people to Jesus by inviting these. Say, I don't even know how to share my faith. Well, launching today on our InfoCC page, there's going to be a tab that share your faith. You can go there, and these are resources that I use personally to share my faith with people. Man, you want to learn more about sharing your faith? Not only go to that tab, call our office. And one of our team would love to sit down and help you learn what it is to share your faith in Jesus. And so church, let me ask you, who is your someone? Are you willing to bring them to Jesus through intercession, through invitation? Hey, what would it be if the testimony on the hearts and on the lips of our friends wasn't just there was Jesus, but it was he was Jesus and she was Jesus to me. And it made all the difference in the world. Let me ask you something. Who are you going to call your pastor or your friend about? Who is it whose lostness fills your eyes with tears and burdens your heart to pray? Church, I'm going to tell you, if we... If we want to see God move in our community, in our homes, in our country, in our world, we need to know that somebody, there's always somebody who needs Jesus. And our job as the church is to bring them to Jesus. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.